Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Between the Legs, a podcast about those in the motorcycle community and those who contribute to it. I'm your host, Sarah Taylor. In today's episode, we're getting a sneak peek into the culture of a new garage. Brooklyn Speed is being built from the ground up by shop owner Calgary and the garage's founding members. This community of builders, technicians, and riders are welcoming those who want to build their dream motorcycles and only have a few rules, one of which, and a personal favorite of mine, inspired the name of our episode. In addition to garage memberships, Brooklyn Speed offers one-off fabrication and customization services, including complete vintage restorations. I hope you enjoy. Thank you for listening. Thank you for showing me the little teaser video. For anyone who's listening, you will probably be seeing it shortly. It is awesome. (laughs) 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 What is Brooklyn Speed? Brooklyn Speed is a custom motorcycle shop slash community garage where it serves purpose of a lot of the enthusiasts from all range of motorcycle riders. Basically, it's not limited to the hyped up cafe racer thing or the only chopper where where the doors are open for every type of rider. It is a creative space where people can get together, share their knowledge, learn from each other, learn from uh, my experiences and understand what it takes to really take advantage of a space. And when there's right kind of guidance, what your potentials are, Brooklyn Speed is helping you discover that and push your comfort zone a little bit to really build the dream ride you want. What are your experiences within the moto world and within building? Whenever I was, you know, this goes way back, just like all of us, you know, we all got our hands dirty very early ages. You know, I was always a mechanical thinker. I was pulling things apart. So anything mechanical really was in my target zone for way back um but i was originally a car guy to be honest and i still am i have big passion for building cars (laughs) but you know as you know living in new york having space i mean you barely have space in the sidewalks to work on your bike right so try to build a car restore a car resto modded whatever is like i've soon enough quickly realized that it was a big dream so i had to really satisfied that hunger with a different way. And um, my second passion, of course, as far as mechanical, um, you know, curiosities had to be dumped via building bikes. And I was already working on like small engine bikes back home in Turkey, where I grew up. I was already riding um, like a 650 Yamaha that my dad's cousin had. Obviously, I didn't have driver's license. I was 15 years old, 16 years old, doing all sorts of stuff, I would say. <laughs> and then in New York, it started in uh, around 2010, 2011, around that era where I was, I started, you know, working on my bike, 
my uh, CB750 around 2012. I bought it in 2011. I started working on it on the sidewalk. I got the bike from a gentleman in Jersey. It was, it's a 1978 CB750K single overhead cam. I still have it. It's my muse, I would say. So I started thinking with that on the sidewalk because it was just giving me issues with charging classical old, old bike shit. You know how it goes. Um, they just want constant attention. And um, So needy. Yeah. And I took it to a um, motorcycle shop and then they had a look at it. Um, but it was like in the middle of summer, they were fully loaded. They had so much work to do. And I was getting really annoyed that my bike was just not getting ready. You know, it's not. And then it was, I got, I got, you know, I just immediately did the oil change, whatever. And then the charging issues started appearing. And then um, I just got tired of waiting people. And I was like, you know what? I already have some knowledge a little bit. And I have a lot of hunger to just learn how things work. And then I started working on the bike on the sidewalk that quickly evolved into working in the terrace of my building. I had a private terrace. So believe it or not, I disassembled the front and rear wheel and put the bike in the elevator and brought it to my terrace. No, you did not. I, yes, I did. (laughs) Okay. Was this like a quintessential New York terrace, like where it's not really a terrace, it's more like a fire escape? No, 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 no. It's uh, this is a, this is my, it was like my private terrace uh, in the apartment that I was living in in Williamsburg. So it was a decent, it was, you know, good size but for new york standards i was like you know spoiled let's just put it that way (laughs) you know if you have a terrace in new york standards you're spoiled by you know quickly automatically it's like um you can't really go back from that yeah yeah it was a now where i live in astoria it's it's a quick um it's a big change but anyhow and um yeah i just started putting you know pulling things apart over there i ordered some parts um and then you know it's right about that time where i was you know i was always into old stuff vintage stuff even in cars but with the motorcycles i was aware that it's easy to work on because of just you know it's very mechanical it's very analog there's not much electronical going on there's no ecu there's no you know other sorts of circuit boards to get on my way so I wanted to tackle that charging system. I was I was heavily influenced with the custom scene back then and um I was originally on the market to get like a Guzzi or like a oh, Norton. beautiful bikes. Yeah, I wanted to get like a 850 Le Mans Mark 3, Mark 2, something like that. But then uh the price is just you know it wasn't in my budget. But then as as I was all out on my search, I was realizing all these cool bikes out there and I was like god damn like I want my bike to look like that. I want that. <laughs> and then so the classic rabbit hole story happened. I was then, you know, hanging out in uh, one of the coffee shops that also sells apparel. Um, and then I, you know, I met some people who I was started networking in the scene. I, you know, I'm riding now that the bike is a little bit more reliable, still have issues, still can't comfortably take in the upstate roads and just for a plan a one week trip but still not nowhere near that but i was brave enough to take it out and about and ride around brooklyn i met a couple guys uh one of them yielded me to go meet tim harney which is uh one of my still good friends my mentor my just all-around great friend and supporter of all this you know brooklyn speed project behind me i took it to him i met with him it was without a doubt the first day i met him and when I saw the things you could do with your hands and with some tools and, 
you know, metal shaping, fab working, um, the mechanical side of it too. I was just like, all right, this is it. I definitely want to know more about this. So that's basically how it started, evolved, and um, later on took off more of my life, I would say. In terms of customizations to a bike, do you have a particular brand or style that you lean more towards? You know, I like a lot of styles. That's the thing. I think it's hard to now distinguish what is Cafe Racer, what is Scrambler, what is Brat, what is Chopper, what is Bob. I mean, Chopper, Bob, you can distinguish. But um, I think for me, I mean, I, for me, performance is definitely key. Definitely function over form. Uh, definitely function over beauty. Uh, I think beauty comes with the function of the motorcycles and how you interpret it in your design and the way you build it, which I think, again, like planning the project takes this whole lot of time. And I think it's the key. Um, it's really important to know what you want and then plan your project around it. But generally speaking, I like high performance machines and designs that follow that realm, which, you know, a lot of people now, I mean, I don't want to say my you know stuff that is cafe racer. Of course I love that stuff. Um, but I just think whenever people talk about cafe racers, they tend to miss out. Or when you see a lot of the builds out there, they tend to miss out a lot of the performance aspect. Uh, and this is like performance in engine, braking, uh, reliability, you know, chassis, everything. So that's the kind of bikes that I like. Just a little bit more hardcore, high performance. Maybe not necessarily the most daily bike, but I like building those as well. I'm actually, I have a couple of those in the shop where I work on them, but we'll get into that later, I guess. On that, how many bikes do you have at this point? Personally, or that I work on? <laughs> uh, let's go with both. Personally, I have a CBR. My daily is a CBR 600 F2. I love that machine. Um, got it from my dear friend, Dionis. Um, that's my daily that I take it to mostly rides upstate or back roads. It's the most reliable thing ever. I love that thing. And it's fast and fun. Oh, yeah. I've um, seen that bike. Yeah, it's just... Um, I love that thing. And uh, I have, I just acquired a Triumph Bonnie that is very high mileage. Um, it's, I think it's around 41,000 miles. It's like a 2000, I think it's a 2008. What is, I don't even know which year is it, but <laughs> it is extremely mint. I mean, this person just babied. Actually, it was a lady. Um, she definitely babied the bike, but the bike has engine problems. Um, so we're gonna tackle gonna tackle that. That's a project. And then I have a Kawasaki ZRX eleven hundred Eddie Lawson replica, Mean Green, as they say. That one was a pre-track bike, a little bit tinkered, a little bit. It's been waiting. It's been sitting the past five six years. So it needs the general love and TLC to get back on its glory. Um, will you keep it as a track bike, or will you bring it back to the streets? It's, I'll bring it back to the streets because I wanted to have that as my daily rider. And then I needed a slightly bigger bike to ride with my girl and, you know, CBR 600. Cause both of us are like six foot, six foot one, six foot two or whatever. I'm six two. I think she's six and CBR 600, as you can imagine, is a little bit tiny. Um, <laughs> Definitely not meant for, for two very tall individuals. No, we, I already look big on it. So with two of us on it, it's, it's just not comfortable for her. So 
So I'm hoping to have ZRX as my daily so we can also go for rides with my girl. Um, so it's definitely going to be a street bike, but definitely going to um, tinker it a little bit, give a little bit more juice to it, you know, just a little bit, not so much. That's definitely in the plan, but, you know, I never keep those promises to myself. So I, I guess <laughs> I don't know. It wouldn't be any fun if you did. Who else is in the garage with you? At this point, because you guys are launching with a barbecue party coming up pretty shortly. Have yeah. you already brought people in to get started? Yeah. So the shop, I moved into the place around March, uh, right when the pandemic took off, which is I could not choose a better time to open a shop, obviously. But right now, I, I'm not partnering with anyone else, but I have other um, uh, people who are helping me out with certain things. And there are members already in it where people that I met while I spent my time in Brooklyn, riding around, building, wrenching. And then um, they all wanted to be a part of it. They all wanted to be members of the community garage, uh, part of the shop. So far, we're like, I think I have over, what, 14 people, 12, 12 to 15 people, something like that. Oh, wow. It's a small shop. You know, it's a 600 square foot, three-car garage that is converted into um motorcycle shop right now we're about 12 to 15 people ranging from all different professions um everyone has a different taste and style which i love that i mean we all have similarities we all love similar things or at least the style and the story of design and um types of bikes but i like that everyone is riding different stuff and doing different things to their bikes um it helps me open vision and then it helps me in my creative process to ask questions to myself and whenever I'm designing a build to really consider different aspects I would have not think about if they hadn't brought up or if they hadn't asked me how to do so. so I've actually seen that in, in play before. So like you and I have been at the same garage when I decided that I was going to do a build. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Uh-huh. Um, and you were, one of my favorite things was whether you were in there looking at your bike and everyone was kind of surrounded around it or my bike or someone else's, everyone would take a break, um, almost unasked for and collectively talk over a build as a group to look at different options or try and solve problems quickly or think Mm -hmm. about different ways to approach it. You gave me some great feedback. Uh, I got some tools based off your recommendations. Um, what's that thing called? It's like a driver to get nails and screws out. Impact driver. Oh, no. Yeah. Um, yeah, the driver, the impact driver too. Yep, that thing is a lifesaver. I'm glad I pushed it. I hope you used it. I hope it saved your build. It got out <laughs> everything that I couldn't on my own because I already like don't have a lot of strength when it comes to <laughs> lifting or moving things. My hand strength is a joke. Um, so yeah, you definitely gave me a lifesaver on that, but, um, I'm glad that that's like the community you're, you're excited to build at yours. What, what exactly is, I guess you had the opportunity to do that type of environment at other garages, um, which is how we met. What exactly made you want to open your own and like, how is that, how is that different? Well, there are a couple of reasons. Um, first reason being, you know, to be able to build the custom bikes that I want was always a priority. And that was always the main motivation. Um, and then community garage aspect followed up with that accordingly, because I wanted to just, I wanted to build a different place 
um, as far as not only capabilities, but also what it really pitches to deliver and what it really, how it wants to get about in building a community. I just wanted to follow a different path. Um, I wanted to focus on a couple of things when it came to the community garage aspect, but mainly the main goal was I needed a place to do whatever I wanted to as far as tools, capabilities, creative freedom, and everything that builds along. I basically wanted to build a place that could serve my needs when it comes to building the bikes the way I want to build, which is not too far off from, like, I'm not, I'm not like a mechanical genius or whatever. I'm just doing what, you know, all the guys want to do. I just need bigger space, my own space. And considering that I still have a day job uh, other than this shop, it, it, it meant that it needed, I needed to build my own flexibilities around it. That's totally fair. I can, I can definitely understand that. Yeah. In, so you started this right at the beginning of COVID, correct? <laughs> <laughs> Primo timing there. Uh, fucking amazing. I could not choose a better one. <laughs> so what were your expectations for the first, I guess, six months um, going into it? And, and where are you now that you've started? So um, my expectations varied almost every week. I changed my expectations, just like Corona changed oh, really? her expectations. I mean, I had certain expectations before COVID, but that changed drastically, obviously, ever since the um, go home order went out and how when we quickly realized how much um, this is going to change our lives. And when it comes to the shop, how much it's going to change the shop or expectations from it, since you can't really comfortably build a community without getting together. It is a bit tough. <laughs> yeah. So I had to quickly adapt into other means of, um, you know, improving the shop. You know, it's still, it was, you know, it needed everything. You know, I had some tools, but it was far off of, um, you know, I didn't have, first of all, I didn't have a lift and I didn't have some of the machinery. I didn't have some of the basic hand tools that I was missing. I always wanted to get those kind of stuff. So first of all, I wanted to see what I could do as far as the community garage side of the business where I could, um, with appointments, still have people over and still help them to work on their bikes, still um, to be able to have that membership option open. So that was one of the challenges that I had that I was working towards to make sure people could at least one or two during the week that could come work on their bikes, take advantage of the space while I was still building it out. And, you know, I already had clothes. My close friends were already like they were everyone was super excited, super pumped about it. As soon as I, you know, told them that I hey, I signed the place. Let's let's get in. Um, they were already on board. They were already very flexible of like whatever they could do, whatever they could help with. Um, they were already on board to uh, join. And that I think that's important part of it, which I will touch back later as far as like how important it is as a, you know, your personality, because this, you know, Motorcycle community is pretty tight, pretty small in New York. And it's important how you carry yourself and how you are, how you are known of why people are spending time with you or in your shop, why people are hanging out. These are all important parts. And I had some time to think about it. And um, I still find myself very fortunate. I'm very grateful to all of those people who followed me along and just supported and just worked with me during this time to bring it up here where now we have I mean, it's still COVID is still out there, but you know, we're really making sure that we're not being irresponsible. So the community garage is still active. People are still coming, working on their bikes. 
And during this time, I also worked on getting basically all the uh, missing parts and uh, missing tools sorted out. And uh, my vision was to do as much as I can. My expectation was to at least say, you know, use this time to make sure that hopefully by summer, this thing will just go away and we will be up 100% running towards building bikes, doing events, workshops, and all sorts of things. On the note of, you know, who you are in the community, because you're right, the New York Moto community is very small. I remember, like, I went to one event and I was suddenly, like, I knew half of the people <laughs> who rode right. bikes in New York. It was it was a lot of fun, you know, as a chatty person. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. So it was great. But um, per like who you are and what you represent in the community, and bringing that to your garage, how is that going to influence your own ability to wrench in that garage? And what I mean by that is. If you are this go-to person for giving advice or uh, suggestions or you're creating a community for other people to come and responsible for making sure they have all the tools, will you be able to separate that from your ability to just use the space as like a personal wrencher versus, you know, controlling the garage? I think that's a very important um, piece of the puzzle. I think what is important, what you know, plays a big feature here is mutual respect and just honesty. For me, I wanted to build the bikes that I wanted to build. And at the same time, I did, you know, while I'm offering community garage to my um, friends, I did not want to, you know, definitely did not want to hinder that. I definitely wanted to keep building and I don't want that to be jeopardized in this condition. Um, I think it's really important to sit down and talk with every member. You know, it's a very small garage. I'm pretty particular and selective. I'm, you know, my doors are open to everyone. Um, but I definitely take time to meet people, sit down and talk with them and get to know them before I tell them, all right, like, let's go. And, you know, this fits, uh, this place will fit you. And the rules and policies are pretty straightforward in the shop, which is, you know, plan it, build it, ask for it. Be nice, share, don't be an asshole. And, um, <laughs> I just see that on a plaque in the wall. Don't be an asshole. <laughs> yeah, it's very straightforward. Just don't be an asshole. You know, understand this is a communal garage. Understand that this is a custom shop. Understand that there's someone building bikes out there. Respect that. It doesn't have to be me, anyone else. You know what I mean? I'm there the most. Obviously, I'm working the most. But any whoever is out there, just respect their whole... Um, experience that what they're there for what they're paying for and more importantly it's important to be able to share i think it's really important to have mutual respect within people and it, I'm, I'm fortunate enough that everyone is kind of on the same ground there's a common sense certain common sense um if someone is busy using one tool there's always like there's always an understanding around that it's actually even it's hard to actually even work on your own in the shop. It's quite funny. Everyone jumps in for one thing. I leave my own stuff, like four of us working on one bike suddenly. It's like turns into my mayhem. Um, <laughs> so I separate, um, I separate those two from just by pure, you know, making sure the community member is the garage member. Because it's, 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 you know, it's like a social club, basically. It's a social club, to be fair. Like we do rides, we do, we share information, we're helping each other out. Everyone gets their own back. It's a great representation of what like society should be 
yeah. um, in reality. Like if you're sharing, if you're not being an asshole, if you're helping each other out, if you're asking for help when you need it, then everything's going to run smoothly and everyone gets their stuff done and you get as much support as you need. Yeah. One of the guys, one of the members, um, he also came from another garage. He was like, it's really not that hard to be okay. You know, you don't have to be the best, but it's really not that hard to be okay to not be an asshole. Um, people can meet in the middle and just, you know, do what they're about to do, learn from each other, get creative. And I think what, uh, you know, the people who I'm surrounded with thankfully are like that. And, and that's something that I'm constantly on check on, uh, making sure everything is getting shared. Everyone's fair. Everyone, no one is better than other. And just, we're just, we're just there to have good times. You know, it's not really a special sauce. <laughs> it's just there. Everyone's there to have a good time. It's important to carry that for me. Um, will you be taking, I guess, orders for custom bike builds or will you strictly be building your own? No, I already, I've been taking those. Um, I already have a couple in the line. Uh, one is finished. We're doing test rides, but kind of picking back, going back to how COVID affected my expectations and how I changed adapted is, you know, I, one of the things that I want to make sure with this garage is it's a boutique, it's a boutique custom shop, community garage. Basically, I'm not there to do repairs. And not that it's a bad thing. It's just not my interest it, because I have very limited time. Right. And, like, don't come by with an oil change. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if I have time and if I have, don't, have, don't have anything in the schedule in the book, sure, I'll help you out, you know. But that's just not something I want to focus on because I'm still lacking a lot of the skills that I want to build up on, um, that I want to preserve that time and energy for that. And um, I want to be in that part of the game. Um, definitely want to focus on customizing. Definitely interested in projects more than, you know, 30,000 mile Desmo tune-up, let's say. Any uh, particular, I guess, building skills that you're working on? I'm definitely working heavily on how to weld aluminum when it comes to, I mean, generally welding aluminum, but especially in different uh, gauges of aluminum, that's very tricky. So it's, it's something that is on the works. Steel, I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, some days I do good dimples. Some days it's horrible boogers, but then you have to, that's the part of the process. Definitely, you know, definitely don't recommend anyone working on bikes when they're like hungover. It's bad. I can see that happening on the fabrication side of the business. Um, <laughs> I had my experiences. And then now that I acquired some of the basic tools, metal shaping is, you know, it's, I already have, we're doing it, was doing it with small scale, but now I want to do a larger scale a bit more. Now I want to, you know, to come also to combine with aluminum welding, I want to do aluminum metal shaping, aluminum shaping as well, shaping panels for gas tanks, fairings, um, seat cowls and all that stuff. Oh, that's um, so cool. Yeah. So I'm actually going to, um, shout out to Jake from, Flying Dutchman, but I'm going to one of his workshops in December 11, 12, 13. I was the last person to get into the class, so it's sold out already. But uh, I'm super excited for that, for instance. Like, you know, what that, will that class be around? Metal shaping, fundamentals, and, you know, um, how to, you know, how to, how to plan, design, build, and learn what's needed. Not to overcomplicate things. That's one thing that I can <laughs> see myself. And I, I told him on the phone too. I was like, dude, I'm definitely that guy can, that can overcomplicate things. He's like, I 100% understand what you're talking about. I'm that guy too. Don't worry about it. So it might sound weird, but it's really important too when you're building, you know, we can touch back, you know, we can talk about this later on too, but like 
like the common mistakes when you're building bikes or um oh, it's really i've got plenty for you already. <laughs> i got more than you do. I probably have more um there's definitely an agenda of things that i want to accomplish in the near future and the far future for the shop mm-hmm. um and well you know one of the things is definitely arranging workshops but again these workshops i don't want to make them these are a bit more specific these will be a bit more specific to serve your needs instead of how to change your brake pad, oil, all that stuff. There's workshops already for that in multiple garages that you can go sign up for. Uh, that will probably be cheaper than, you know, that what would be in my workshop. My, shop, my workshops is going to be more about specifically from all the topics around how to build a, from A to Z, how to build custom bikes and um, how you should approach it and some specific needs about it. So let's say um, you just got a, Motorcycle into a custom seat. How to? What are the things to watch out about? What What do you do? What tools to use? How can you do it cheap? How can you you know cheap but reliable? Do you think uh, that you'll offer these classes in person? You know, once COVID lifts, or will it be a combination of in person and virtual? uh, It will be both. It really will depend on how comfortable that person is. But um, I think there are, what are the numbers restrictions? We're, we're like in New York, I think you can't do any private events larger than 10 people, something like that. I don't know. I want to make sure that it's safe. I want to make sure that it's again, you know, response. I don't want to be irresponsible uh, about it. So I'm going to see and research a bit more. I know we have some flexibilities out there, so it's going to depend on whoever wants to attend. And, uh, I think that will shape up the, you know, the nature of these workshops, but it's definitely going to be in person for sure virtual i want to do it as well um but those are coming in fall right now i'm still busy with the builds and focusing on some of the um main things that i'm missing in the shop that i think i should i mean to me it's main other people all the members are like you know they're like are you crazy dude we're like we all got everything we need but i'm always (laughs) i always want to just hook up half of my paycheck to tool providers as usual never ending saga you can never have too many tools. No, it's, 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 um, it's, it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can't wait to see it. And I'm super excited for all the stuff hey. you have planned and the videos that are coming out uh, that you have planned for the fall. Do you have any plugs, reminders, events, thank yous, shout outs, et cetera, that you want to finish the uh, recording off with? I mean, I definitely want to shout out to all my close friends that my family and my girlfriend who supported me to come along in this way. We're working on some video series that will come up hopefully soon. This, these video series will be, again, we wanted to do something a bit more richer as far as content, just, you know, not about how to, you know, from, I don't want to just document a build from, you know, start to finish. I just wanted to incorporate a bit more about, you know, my experience within this whole riding and ranching and building in New York and how, you know, the community is, um, the personalities, the stories, more importantly. So it's going to be a mixture. Easy video series will be a mixture of lots of stories and well-edited uh, scenes of from the you know from holding you know, up writing and building in New York. That will be coming up in the near couple of months. We're still working on it. My good friend is working on it. His uh, Instagram ad- handle is Khan Altanova, which will be K A A N A L T I N O. VA, he will, he's kind of the producer of these video series. Uh, definitely want to shout out to Tim Harney. Um, he's been 
you know, pushing me, motivating me to do this for a long time. So I uh, appreciate all of his help and all of his guidance, which again, you know, reminds me of how important it is and how valuable it is to guide someone when it's needed. And, you know, I definitely want to keep, I'm definitely keep reminding myself along this process as I'm acting as a shop owner of the book and speed. And when the time comes to help people out in the shop, also mention a couple of things you know, Brooklyn Speed, part of the reason why we call it Brooklyn Speed, why I call it Brooklyn Speed is it's, you know, the journey started in Brooklyn and then now continuing with all the friends and community who were out and riding in Brooklyn. But, you know, Brooklyn Speed does probably will in the far future, won't stay as a motorcycle custom garage shop. There will be, you know, workshops, there will be uh, cool merchandise coming up. The designs are still working on it too. We want to make sure we have some fun stuff about it that will show our personality. But I also wanted to... Um, and then hopefully in, in, in the next year or end of, you know, next year, I want to get back into wrenching on cars because I missed it a lot. So we already have some projects that we're talking about as far as um, building a car from, uh, from like a resto mod. So we, we, I have some space for it. I have some amenities for it, but that's still in the works. So hopefully the far future plan is to be able to have Brooklyn Speed as a brand that focuses you know on custom bikes custom cars community garage everything events workshops rides barbecues we love barbecues oh. uh speaking of that you know i will i will definitely officially announce that on the instagram page brooklyn underscore speed and instagram and in facebook um we are planning to do a i haven't had a chance to do obviously an opening party or a grand opening whatever now that things are a bit better and I have more time. We, you know, still keeping things in mind that there's a pandemic out there. We want to do a barbecue opening party towards the end of September uh, and then uh, definitely announce that. And hopefully, I mean, I know you're coming back in October, but just grab a flight and come. <laughs> they your bike. are so cheap right now. <laughs> They're so cheap. Oh, yeah, but like no. $90, I think, round trip between Atlanta and New York. It's really? Crazy. Yeah, it's like ridiculous. One friend I know got a flight um, out to, where did they go? It was like really far. Like normally the flight would be like three, $400. They got the ticket for 14 You're kidding me. No. Wow. <laughs> well, then you should come too. <laughs> I really, really want to. Um, it's going to be nice. It's going to be. Cool. The shop is in an alley, actually, in Long Island City. So, um it's like uh, it's like a almost like a closed street naturally because it's an alley. It's not like an active street, right? Yeah, so you so, can kind of like spread out, walk around. Spread out, walk around, do burnouts, everything. No, <laughs> it's no. not a barbecue without a burnout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. I would love to see you. I definitely need to come back up. Thank you so much for joining us today to talk about the garage. I can't wait to see it open. Um, I'm even more excited because we're going to have to do another one when you start expanding into all the custom car work. For those who are listening, I would definitely recommend them to just get out of their comfort zone, push themselves and check out Brooklyn Speed. We have cool stuff coming up. Brooklyn Speed! <laughs> <laughs>